I don't want to be called an influencer. I want to have influence. These words describe my next guest perfectly. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. I have here with me Inji Kivan, who's a social media influencer, a presenter, and a public speaker. Hi, Inji, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me here today. It's such a pleasure. We'd like to talk about all of the things that you're involved in, but obviously the first and the most important thing we want to talk about, because everybody wants to know about being an influencer and what your life is like, what it takes to be successful. So can you give us your top three tools or top three things that you do that you care about and that gets you the best response from your followers to keep your content current? Okay. Well, to be honest, lately there's been a lot of talk about being an influencer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's negative um, connotations to it. There's positive and it's... Um, it's very broad and vague. I mean, what is it that you're influencing exactly? When I started, uh, you know, being part of this whole game, I like I call it a game because it's it's uh, it has a lot of rules and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yep. Um, I didn't really. It wasn't what I wanted to be part of. I didn't want to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a presenter. Right. And whenever I would go for, you know, for a job interview to, to host an event, the first thing they would look at is my Instagram account. And they'd be like, oh, wait, you're private. Um, no, we'd rather you be public because you're a public figure. And for us to hire you, um, it's sort of like a double-edged sword for them. You know, we have a host at the same time, we have someone that can market the event. Right. And that's when I opened it up and, and it was obviously having more followers has mm-hmm. helped me get more jobs. Yeah, it's like your business card now. Everybody exactly. wants to see who you are online. Exactly. Um, being an influencer, obviously you, you do have um, a responsibility, especially that, you know, my father once told me he was out having lunch and somebody told him, uh, this girl didn't want to eat. She was 15 years old and she's like, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. Long story short, he found out that she's like, I want to have Angie's figure. And he's like, Angie, my daughter. She's like, yes, me and my friends, we follow her. We have a group on WhatsApp and we always, we want to look like her. So we all decided not to eat. And my father said, my daughter eats a lot. And, and that's when he called me up and said, Angie, you have a responsibility because you do have such young followers to, to basically show them, you know, your life, that you do eat, uh, however you're active and so forth. So I realized that I have a responsibility towards, I call them my Instagram friends, yep. to show them what my life is about. So I try as much as I can to be as real as possible, whether it's, you know, be going, showing them my face without makeup. Um, showing them that I struggle with a very severe sweet tooth. Um, I struggle, I struggle with severe intolerances. I, and I, and, and that's the image that I have in the market. I would say people, every time they see me, they tell me what we love about you is that you're real and genuine. And that's what I'm pushing for. And that's the image that I want is real, genuine life, not just, you know, having fashion holding, um, a Dior bag all the time or traveling first class, which is amazing, but this is not how everyone, everyone's life is. So you have that where people can look up to that and say, dream and dream about having that life, but also accepting the life that we all have, which is just the normal girl next door. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong about 
you know, wearing those amazing clothes and traveling first class or going to places as long as you've earned it. Yes, correct. You know, and I think a lot of people think that influencers get free gifts. They, they have this amazing lifestyle and they're not paying for anything. It's a lot of work to, to, to get the credibility for a brand to trust you and even, even ask you to promote their product. And at the end of the day, that is work. It's like a model, yes. you know, she's on a ramp, it's work. So I don't understand why people believe that influencers don't have to work to, to put out that content and to look that way because that's their job. That's what yes. they're supposed to do. And, and that brings me to my next question, that they, people do have mixed feelings about influencers. So what should they know before they jump into this industry? Which is exactly what you said. It is a job. I mean, first of all, the creativity that goes behind. I know it sounds so simple. We're taking a picture. No, you're not taking a picture. There's so much that, I mean, we don't look good 24-7. You know, you need to dress up. You need to think of an outfit that stands out. You need to find a location. You need to think of a caption. I know it sounds so simple, but it's not. And as you said, to, to, for a brand to trust you, I mean, if any brand would work with anyone that has over, let's say, 20,000 followers, it would have been so easy. It is so hard. There's so much competition. You need to be able to stand out. You need to be able to, um, honestly, before I, I get into, again, this game, I also thought, what's so hard? You're just pretty girl. Take a few pictures, post one every day. Boom. It's not not like that at all. You also need to be able, you know, whenever you're invited to events and you know, in Dubai, there's more than three events a day, <laughs> Absolutely. To, you know, to be able to make the time people say, Oh, she's so lucky. She's always at events. No, when you're a mother and you have to go to an event because you need to remind people of your existence, you know, you need to also go there and be able to socialize with the brands themselves, show them who you are, what you're about. It's like, it's like, a, it's a proper job. It's and it, work. And it's Absolutely. a full time. And honestly, when I used to, when I, when I, when I, when I was working before a full-time job, I would finish, you know, working hours and that's it. I come back home. I'm done. And this one, it's like being an entrepreneur. You, you, your job is with you the whole day. Anything you do, you need to document. And usually, you know, in life, we don't take pictures when we're having a really good time. Absolutely. I agree with that. And unfortunately, when you're having a good time, you need to document this uh, when <laughs> well, you're, yeah, when you're on, and on social media. Absolutely. Because that's what keeps your audience engaged. And you have yes. made a decision that this is what you want to do as a profession. And yes. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong in it as long as people don't trivialize it and understand how much effort it takes yes. to, to be at every event that you need to be at. You don't have to be at every event. You yes. need to be at the events that your audience wants to see. And, and you know, that's what you're doing. You're, you're promoting as a model would, as yes. an actor does. Yes. Uh, and I don't see why people think that your life has to be perfect in order for you to, you know, have a perfect photograph. I just want to add something, actually. Sure. Unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of negative connotation to being an influencer and everyone's always bashing. Um, and I understand. And I don't, obviously, I have a lot of friends that are in the industry. I may or may not agree what they're, because again, you're a social media influencer. What are you influencing? And, and I just believe a piece of advice to every person that is on social media. Just take a step back and try to find... Um, 
Try to find a reason, try to find a purpose mm -hmm. of why you're doing what you're doing. Because once you have that, no matter what it is that you do, always try to push it through your pictures or captions or whatnot. And that yeah, you have a message and you want message. that message to come through in everything that you do. Yes. So how would you do it differently if you were starting out now? Because I know that you were a banker and then, you know, you, you just started this. Honestly, I wouldn't say I would do it differently because, again, this is not my main line of work. Mm -hmm. This is just something that came hand in hand with what I'm doing. Uh, but for anybody, because a lot of girls now want to be an influencer, they, because of the perks of it, which I'm sure, I mean, obviously they're amazing. Um, don't make it your major bread and butter. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just be in it. Because one, if one day Instagram shuts down, what are you going to do? Right. You need to have, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a presenter, whether you're an actress, whether you're a banker, you can still be a banker and, and do this on the side. Yep. Document day-to-day, -day, document what you wear to the office, document what you do, teach people something. Don't look at being an influencer as just being an, a social media influencer. Because I don't really think that as a word that's been highly used makes sense as it is. Yeah. Be someone that's influential mm -hmm. in life and use social media as a mean to influence people throughout your life. And I like what you said. What happens if Instagram shuts down? Yes. <laughs> I mean, if that's all you're doing, what happens to you if you can't do it anymore and you don't have a platform to, to present yourself? Exactly. So you're right. You should be having something that you enjoy. Yeah. And you should be working towards, towards achieving your own goals and use social media as a platform rather than as your main source of income. Like if you look at most of the the big social media influencers mm -hmm. that have been in the market for quite, for quite some time, they've all developed something, yep. be it a product, be it they partnered up with someone, with a company, because they're realizing, yes, but now I have so much power that actually if I come up, if I just start a, start a line or if I um, team up with, you know, um, a makeup brand or whatnot, mm -hmm. people will buy it. Yeah, I so, have an audience now. Exactly. And, and I think everybody, either you start, you know, sort of chicken, uh, the chicken that laid the egg or the egg that came from the chicken. But if you're going to start now, mm -hmm. you need to have something already and build upon it through social media. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you on that because I feel like a lot of people take the role of being an influencer as something that's all about getting free things. Yeah. <laughs> promoting products, uh, you know, looking good all the time. And I think the most important thing that the audience wants to see is how honest and true you are on your feed. Yes. Because eventually, you know, you're going to lose your audience. If you keep changing and if you keep saying things that are not true to you, you are going to obviously have missteps. Yes. And everybody now is so aware of social media that, you know, they know when you're being honest. And when you're just making it up and winging it, as they say. Completely. So what has been your biggest setback? And what did you learn from that? Uh, setback in everything I'm doing or just in influencing? Yeah, everything. You're doing public speaking. You are a presenter. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that. For, you're a host for the Alguna Film Festival. Yes. Which is the Egyptian Film Festival. Yeah. So yeah, in, in everything that you're doing. So my major setback was and is that I start late. 
you mm-hmm. know, I, and I realized right now while you're speaking, I just thought that I wanted to do something, this video content and that I was late and I'm late and someone else might, might, you know, might do it. Um, whenever I have an idea or I want to do something, I wait, I always wait for the right moment. And mm-hmm. I've realized you, sh- you should create the right moment. Um, so this has been my major setback, for example, as being a host or presenter, um, especially as an Egyptian, you get the chance to act. Um, and because I have kids, Mm -hmm. I can't do that because I need to move to Egypt. And that means changing my life, changing my, um, everything for my children, i.e. probably being selfish. So I can't do it. And if I had started this when I really wanted to, which was more than 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, things would have been different. So setback is not making the decision to do what I want the minute I feel I want to do it. So you, you want to think about it and you want to think about the impact that it's going I to just have wait. on your life. I wait for the right moment. I wait for, I, I always wait. I don't make the decision right, right away. Is there a right moment? Exactly. There isn't. That's why you need to create your own right moments. Once so you, you feel like I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. No and what's changed that thinking? Uh, realizing the opportunities that I missed out on because I started so late. So you don't want to regret any more no. decisions you don't take. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking right now that I already did two things that I shouldn't be doing, but, you know, <laughs> working on it. Yeah. And, and going back to saying that you were a banker and that's how you started out and, and, you know, you've waited to get to this stage and do what you really love. So when was that first moment when you realized that you wanted to switch your career and you were ready for it? Because it's not easy to leave a successful career where you are, you know, not only financially successful, but you now have worked your way up to get to a certain level. And now you've decided this is not serving a purpose. I want to do something else. And you start at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, I'll take you a little bit, you know, a little bit, even before I was a banker, I always wanted to be, uh, to have my own talk show. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be Oprah. (laughs) Uh, And, um, Obviously this didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, an option Mm -hmm. growing up and I, you know, I studied finance and whatnot. And then as a, as an investment, I was an investment banker. And there was one day that I actually, I was on the institutional desk and I called a client and basically telling him it's time to buy a certain stock. And he was 66 years old, almost. Mm -hmm. And he, he started crying and he said, because of you guys, I lost so much money in the stock market. I don't want to invest anymore. And then, it, and I went to the bathroom. I remember I started crying and I thought to myself, I keep preaching that I want to help the world. I want to be a philanthropist. And what, what am I doing? I'm gambling with people's money as, as an investment banker, mm-hmm. a legit, a legal way of gambling with people's money. So I went to my CEO at that point and I said, we need to start a CSR department. Mm-hmm. and." He loved the idea. We did it. He said, how much money do you need? I went, I worked with a national charity school. And when I saw the, the children and I just thought to myself, I need to find a way to do something that I could make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I decided, you know, I spoke to my husband and I said, I really want to do what I want. I feel empty. Um, went ahead, um, quit my job. And I thought, okay. So my goal is to be Oprah of the Middle East. 
how can I get there right now? And I thought the first way to start is to start emceeing and work on my public speaking. And, uh, and then I, I got a, I, I called a friend of mine who was an MC and told her, I, I know I want to be an MC. Give me some tips. She's like, I'll call you back. And I thought, typical Dubai, no one's going to help anybody. A few days later, she calls me up and says, there's a gig in a mall in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Doesn't pay well at all, but do you want to do it? And I said, yes, I'll do it. And honestly, that was thanks again, thanks to social media and whatnot. Once I went and did that, I was posting, my friends would see it and it was just word of mouth and it, it, it grew took from off there. from took there. Off from there. Yeah. So you're a philanthropist mm. and you are involved and support a lot of different charities. So tell us something about that. Honestly, the perks of being an influencer <laughs> <laughs> is that you, you know, charities like the ones I'm working with would want to work with you. I mean, they give you the opportunity to work, to work with them mm-hmm. uh, because they feel that you can send the message across. Obviously I don't have a lot of followers at the moment. Uh, if I, if I have more, I'll be able to do more. Like I, I would love to go visit one of the, you know, go to, uh, to Lebanon and, and visit the refugee camps or, or, you know, anywhere around the world, but because of, I'm, I'm constrained with the number of followers that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've worked with UNICEF on, on a Ramadan campaign, mm-hmm. which was, uh, and cyberbullying as well. Right. Um, I worked with the Global Gift Gala, um, where I hosted um, an event for them and I'm hosting another one in, in Dubai. And another, another one that's very close to my heart and it belongs to a good friend of mine, the ZB Foundation. Mm-hmm. I was able to, to host events with her, uh, Ladies with Zest. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. lunch that takes place with, um, you know, with, um, where I interview what I would call industry leaders, game changers, inspirational woman figures. Right. And it's, it's been great, to be honest, because I was able to raise awareness through my social media. I was able to raise money through my network uh, for the certain campaigns. And I just hope that I, funny enough, tonight I'm going to a UNICEF event uh-huh. and, and also to discuss what we're going to be doing um, in the next few months in terms of campaigns. I find that a lot of people talk about wanting to be involved in charities, wanting mm. to give back. Yeah. But there is this idea that I'm one person, how much can I do? Because people have these grand ideas in their head about wanting to change the world. And when you look at that goal and you think about, okay, maybe I can just give 10 dirhams or 100 dirhams a month, you know, that's too little. That's not going to change anything. And I just, I just want you to talk about, because you're involved with all of these charities and you support them, you know, I just want you to talk about the contribution a single person can have with the smallest amount of their time and their money and what it means for an organization, you know, if everybody did that together, collectively. I did something with the Red Crescent. Actually, it was through a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, where... It was Aid, uh, Aid al-Adha for us. And basically they brought in less fortunate kids uh, that they brought them to Ibn Battuta Mall and we get to sponsor as many children as we want. It could mm-hmm. be one, it could be two, it could be 10 and buy them Aid gifts, clothes and whatnot. And it costs nothing to sponsor one child. I mean, nothing for, for, for us and all my Instagram f- friends and people who live I mean, in Dubai, we're blessed with, with, uh, with a good standard of life. 
And the amount of people that once I posted it on Instagram, the amount of people that reached out to me to be involved was very impressive. Mm -hmm. And they all did. And they all went and signed up and did it. And again, it cost it cost nothing for, for them. Mm-hmm. However, they were able to bring happiness um, to, to more than one child for a, in a very festive season for us mm-hmm. as, as Muslims. Yeah. So that's something. Um, for example, the UNICEF Ramadan campaign. Mm-hmm. I was able to raise a lot of money through the network of friends, which is, again, people, if I would send it to one person, they would think, well, no matter how much I pay, what is it going to make? I'm going to pay like, as you said, 30 dirhams. But if I, I, I actually sent it to 300 people. Yeah. So if each one of you paid 30, look how much, um, look how much we're exactly. able to raise. It's in thousands. So, and you know, even when you go, for example, when you go to a petrol station and you find those um, boxes. boxes. Yes. So, yes, let's say I only have two dirhams. But you see that there's a lot of coins in there. So two dirhams, another person would put two dirhams. If, so anything, if you feel deep down inside you that you want to help in any way, mm-hmm. Don't, don't look at it from the perspective that what, what difference am I going to make? It's just like closing the tap or switching off the electricity or, or, or do whatever it is that you can do because there's a lot of other people around the world that, that think the same. And if you guys all hold hands or just, you know, um, pitch in, pitch in at the end of the day, it all adds up. Exactly. So what we are saying is that it does make a difference. Definitely. You know, no amount is too small. So next time you're at a gas station and yes. you pay for something that you've bought and you get some small change back, it could be 25 fills, it could be 50 fills. Just put it. You could put that in a box and yes. that would make a difference. So it doesn't have to be thousands of dirhams. It doesn't have to be massive charities that you feel you don't have the time to start, but have dreams of you might get there in the future, you know, so don't be so hard on yourself and give what you can today. Yes. yes. And, and that is the difference between just having goodwill and having the will to do good. Yes, to, to exactly. The action of actually putting that goodwill to use exactly. is, is more important. Yes, for sure. And so we mm. can't leave without talking about your amazing Coke ad. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get the Coke ad? What impact it's had on your career? Where it's been watched? How did it all come? Honestly, um, I remember I got a call from the marketing director of Coca-Cola Egypt. And he called me up and he said, listen, you know, we're interested. We're doing this new campaign. And I'm like, okay, well, to post an Instagram post, I charge. And he's like, no, no, no. I really don't care about your Instagram. You're going to be on a billboard. I'm like, huh? (gasps) Wow. Oh my God, what? In Cairo? And he's like, yes, um, you know, we're actually featuring celebrities but we think you are an upcoming um, celebrity. You know, you are a celebrity. I, I'm sort of in a celebrity in Egypt, by the <laughs> way, just throwing it out there. Um, he's like, you're, you're upcoming, you're um, a trendsetter. A lot of people look up to you uh, in, in Egypt and we want you to be involved. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I couldn't believe my, and I couldn't believe my ears. And I was traveling that time. It was the summer. I was going to, to Marbella to host a global gift. I had a wedding in Ibiza. And every time they would, they would, you know, they would call me for a shoot. You know, I was away. I couldn't do it. So I thought I lost it. And then when I went to Egypt for my summer, they, they actually did a slot just for me to be part of it. And it was incredible. They were, you know, extremely professional, um, extremely friendly the impact it had was more than I would have ever imagined 
it's it's become like a milestone in my career mm-hmm. because it was because of who I was associated with more mm-hmm. than what it was. The fact that I was on a billboard in one of the biggest cities in the world, you know, most populated cities in the world, alongside celebrities and, and it's you a know, big brand no, yes Coke and it's a is big a brand, big brand. Exactly. It's, it's obviously you know it's going to those are the kind of projects you want to be part of obviously exactly. it's kind of like validating all of the hard work that you've done that yes I've earned my way up there exactly so it's it's been amazing but again you know these things are kind of a of an issue because once you do something so big What's next? What can I do that's that's going to be bigger than this? Uh, now you're under the microscope and people are watching what you do. I mean, you, obviously, hopefully in a good way, you want to inspire and you want to show yeah. people, okay, I've done this. Now I'm going to do something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And this constant struggle is not easy. Yeah, it's never easy, but that's, you know, part of any job. You, once you get to a certain level, you have to keep reinventing yourself to stay relevant. You have to keep working hard to stay then. You know, I always say that good luck or the will to succeed might get you to the top, but only your passion will keep you there. Very true. You can't stay at the top by thinking, I've done it. Now everything is going to come to me. It doesn't. You still have to work hard and you have to work, you know, consistently at that high level. Correct. And it never gets easy. But it's, it's a, you know, if you have the passion and that's what you want to do, it's at least you're, you're happy doing what you know you've been dreaming about rather than just thinking, I'm never going to get there. Yes. So before I let you go, I know I said that that would be the last thing, but I want to ask you, you have two beautiful boys. Yes. And how do you juggle? With your career, with the travel, you're between Dubai and Egypt a lot. You're obviously traveling to other parts of the Middle East or other parts of the world. How do you manage? Just like any mother really does, you don't manage. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's, it's honestly, it's, I find it, you know, very difficult because, because of that guilt feeling and, you know, all mothers have that guilt feeling. If you mm-hmm. stay with them, you're thinking about work. If you leave them, you're thinking about them. And you just have to live with it. I mean, just, I realized that the time spent with them, you just need to work on making the best of that time. As, as simple as it is, there's no, there's no rule to it. There is no balance. You will never have a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, f- the first step is accepting. There will, no, there will be no balance. Mm-hmm. Second step is sort of compartmentalizing. So for example, I just got back last night from a very short trip, two day trip. And I thought to myself, I picked them up from school from the time, and I have another, and I have a UNICEF event in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I thought from the time I picked them up from school till the time I go to the UNICEF um, event, I'm going to switch off my phone and do something that they enjoy doing. And just, that's what you should do is just realize it's quality over quantity. Absolutely. Rather than the other way around. Absolutely. And your kids should know that you know, you're not leaving them and abandoning them. And I know when they're younger, that's what they think. Yes. That parents going away is, they're leaving me and going, you know, as long as you you have that quality time with them, they know that you're always going to come back. Yes, I show them videos all the time. <laughs> so now I was in Egypt for um, Samsung. I was hosting a Samsung event. Um, and when I came back, I showed them the videos of what I was doing. I got them some, you know, I know you don't buy your kids, but you sort of, you know, obviously who doesn't like gifts? Of course. And I always make it a point that if I'm traveling, I have to come back with something a for souvenir, them, you know, all yeah. the time. And um, 
even if I, you know, if I'm working late at night, the next day I make sure I go get them a muffin or something just to sort of not apologize for not being there, but just to let them realize that I am thinking of them even when I'm not there. Thank you so much, Inji. It has been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. and talking to me, to my listeners. Thank and you I so much for having me. I hope you enjoy your gala tonight. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is Unapologetically KK. Thank you for listening and speak to you again soon.